It's time for conversations about our food and how it's grown on Farm to Table Talk with your host, Roger Wasson. Farm to Table Talk talks about how animals are raised, that consumers are concerned about it, farmers are concerned about it, and, and that's all important. Technology has not left this area alone. There's a lot of opportunities where producing animals, uh, they need help. They need help from a health standpoint, more uh, intelligence about the whole systems of operating or raising livestock these days. And, and a company that's no stranger to the livestock industry, Merck Animal Health, is very much engaged in that. And it's an, it's an interesting frontier. It sort of reminds me that, uh, again, the way that we raise livestock today is, has a lot of improvements and a lot of changes over the way it was done maybe hundreds of years ago. And, and I'm very happy today to welcome Paulo Loriero. And Paulo is the lead global marketing Allflex Livestock Intelligence. Uh, Paulo, that is a mouthful. I, I want to add one more to that before I let you explain that, that long description of your title. You're also a veterinarian. Yes, I am. And, you know, I think everything, you know, consumers are glad farmers have veterinarians available to them, but I think farmers are sure happy they have veterinarians to them. But you are in a whole different kind of situation than what I normally think of. I mean, when I was on a farm, we called the veterinarian when the animals were sick. And then you started seeing companies get bigger and bigger and farms get bigger and bigger. Some of them had their own veterinarians employed and on so forth. But a company like Merck, you're kind of staying kind of one step ahead of what are the livestock going to need? What are you going to need to produce, you know, profitably uh, on, on farms? And, and I want you today to share some of these exciting new, new areas. And so as we kind of like jump into it, uh, beyond medications that have existed that Merck has provided to animal farmers, what are some of the programs that, that Merck is pursuing right now that is supportive of producing uh, growing animals? Thank you for having me. So I grew up in a farm and I, I, I used to know every single animal in the farm, right? The cows, the horses. So in Brazil, where I grew up, we had, you know, beef cows and dairy cows. And that changed in the future with the, with the evolution of the business, right? So now people have sometimes more animals than before. And some people are, um, let's say, not so close to the business anymore. But veterinarians are always on farm. We are always working with the producers. We, we cannot lose that, uh, you know, the, the basic of the production from our side. In Merck, we have a lot of vets, a lot of people passionate about animals. And we know that animals cannot talk to us, right? When they are sick, when they are feeling, you know, uncomfortable with something, it's hard to see that. So you need to be right beside them to understand. So medicines are important. Vaccines are mu much necessary but sometimes we don't know what's going on with them so we need to go a step ahead so we continue to prevent disease with our vaccines we need to treat the animals when they are sick we need to improve production with our med with our with our pharma products but then what else can we do that's what we start thinking a few years ago it was clear to us the technology was there and we needed to take technology into our core business to help us to be better 
at the same time help farmers to be better at what they do. So if you think about a farmer today, what they need from us is basically helping them to get better at what they do best, give them more time to have a, a meaningful life, more time to go to see the end they really need help, not the ones are fine. And also uh, for help them to do certain jobs that you and I know are not easy to, to do on a daily basis. Yeah. So technology can help us with all of that. You know, I want to pause for a minute and give a little homage here to the farmers, uh, because up to now, what you have described, uh, a, a good farm that has livestock, seemed to me it always had somebody that liked to get out and walk around the livestock. I mean, that's um, it's one of the things that the farmers I've known, whether they grow sheep or hogs or cattle, the best ones could tell when things weren't quite right. They end up having kind of um, intuition. And yes. and you could uh, you could go jump in a pickup truck with uh, somebody and they'd ride out and show you the cows. I got to give pause for a, a story you could appreciate because I had a cattlemen's association president once who was also a veterinarian, and he said, "You want to come out and we'll we'll go out and look at my cows." And so I I jumped into the front seat and he said, "Oops, wait a minute!" And he said, "Oh, you almost sat on it." And it was um, a hypodermic needle that he had said he just used to put a horse down. And fortunately, I didn't sit on it. <laughs> Look at you. <laughs> but, we, but we drove out among the cows. And again, I've had that happen with several species of animals. So that's a sense that, uh, that's really, really valuable. And, but what I, what I like about what you're about to tell us is going from there. Uh, I mean, you, you're alluding to the fact anticipating needs and 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 predicting uh, problems and and uh, knowing more about what's going on with the livestock. So, what shape does that take? Well, think about everything you just said. So, we work with domestic animals. We domesticated them, so we have an obligation to take care of them. They are there for us. So, livestock is always looking for us for guidance, for support, for care. That's what that that's what what is it for? What are they for? I'm sorry. That's what we they need us. And what happens with that is many many times they hide disease from us just because instinctively if they are sick they're going to be left behind. They're yeah. not going to be part of the pack anymore. So we create technologies, Roger, that can you know when you put a, a let's take an example uh, an ear tech that we we have Sense Hub feedlot we just launched and NCBA maybe a week ago. And that tech can detect with a accelerometer and a temperature sensor inside the ear canal uh, so changes on behavior. So let's say the animal is not walking as it should, mm -hmm. is not laying down the amount of time it should, is not ruminating properly. So 24 hours, 40, 48 hours sometimes before the pain rider detects that the animal is sick, the flag can say, you know what? The, I'm sorry, the tech, the tech can say that animal needs care. So then you as a pain rider, instead of going out of looking for 10,000 animals in the morning, you go directly to the pain where the animal uh, needs help. And you can identify the animal because we also have a light on the tag, which yeah. is going to be flashing because yeah. we have 300 yeah. in front yeah. of you. Which one is the sick one? So that's one example. Think, think about tags for and neck collars for, for dairy cows. Cows are going to be in astros. You need to do artificial insemination. 
I was raised in a place where you need to go there and sit there twice a day or three times a day observing astros. It's quite boring, you know, to be yeah. there watching cows. And, oh, that one is in astros now. So we're going to do artificial insemination 12 hours from now. So we have sensors that will tell exactly the time to breed. You don't need to think about that anymore. So it's a job to be done that we can replace with technology. Let, let me um, interject something else that might seem a little silly, but we all know people who, uh, when you go up and say, how's it going? And they say, fine, no matter what. And then we also know people that as soon as you see them, they they think you want to know, you know, uh, and they tell you all kinds of aches and pains and so forth. And, and they kind of like go over overboard. Is, is there, I, I'm wondering if there's almost a personality type in livestock, they're kind of hypochondriacs. I mean, you know, that, that some it's easy to spot, you know, um, because they don't disguise the fact that they're really in a mess inside. And, and while others that it's just, you know, overly obvious that, uh, that what's going on with them. The, the overly obvious are sick in a way that it's a little bit late, right? Because they, they cannot hide anymore because naturally they will hide from us. It's, you know, nature create them in a way to be liars in terms of behavior because to protect themselves, to not be put a part of the herd. So when you see an animal in early signals of disease and they trust you, that's the thing, right? You need to establish trust between the handler and the animal, the hog or, or the cows. They will trust you. They will show you they're sick. They're going to come to you and say, you know, I'm miserable. You can see that. But then if you, that they don't know, come with me, they see you, who is that one? So they come back to the alert system. So they they pretend they're okay, which yeah. are not. So as a, so when we have people coming to our industry, and many young people didn't have the chance to grow up in a farm like I did, and and, and they will learn from, from whom, you know? So we need to keep those those guys engaged, train them, but we also can help them. Yeah. So help them to understand livestock in a higher degree with this kind of technology. Now, do these technologies, and we're going to get into them a little bit more. Do they? Are, are you working on them in in sheep and cattle and 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 pigs? In pigs, of course. In yeah. pigs, you start with a. In all of that, it starts with identification. So if you're going to treat or going to take care of livestock, the first thing you need to do is to identify them. We always forget about that, right? You can memorize a certain number of animals. Yeah. But then you don't know who, who is who anymore. So identification is key to us. And we, we have a we have a core business into our flex livestock intelligence, which is identification tags for swine, for sh- for sheep, for cattle all over the globe, which is all flex. You go to a farm and say, hey, you have do you know all flex? They, yes, of course they do know, which is our branding for, for identification. And then you can identify animals with visual tags, right? So you see the number. You know, you can also identify them with electronic identification tags, EID. So that tag will talk to a reader. So you know if the animal passed by a certain point, if that animal approached the water, if that animal is eating, you can do certain things with electronic identification, a control inventory, much better. Because you know also, you work with livestock, we are in the shoot, right? And I say, this cow is the number 2150. Do that one time, two times, three times, you start losing. And someone is taking note of that. So we have to automate those things. Electronic identification help us to make our job way easier when you have this kind of automation, which is quite simple to do. I remember when I was really young and starting 4-H, one of the first things I learned to do was ear notch my sows and my pigs, which is going to make some people a little anxious. I don't think they minded. 
but you know, it was a really basic system. So you could tell who the sow was and you could tell which pig in the litter and, 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 you know, as they, as they grew up and eventually I was seeing people that were able to go out and point like a, something at a cow in the, in the field and, and identify the cow and identify the calf and, you know, have a lot of information about it, but that's, it's kept, kept evolving. So now what I hear you kind of leading into makes me think I could probably, um, you know, put an Apple watch on a cow or something and, and you know, could measure uh, EKGs and, uh, you know, blood pressure and, and all the, uh, all the other things, you know, um, I mean, it's almost so, so you're going to be knowing what's going on, right? That, uh, that, you're absolutely right. We do know. We have uh, our brain sense, uh, our device, our brain name is SenseHub. So with SenseHub dairy, SenseHub beef, you can do that. It's basically what you're saying. You have a ear tag or a neck tag for, for dairy cows. You have ear tags or neck tags. For beef cows, we prefer only ear tags. Very lightweight, below 27 grams in a year. So one, easy to apply. And then you have a accelerometer inside. You have, in the case of feedlot, a temperature sensor inside. And that information is real time. You're reading what's going on with the animals multiple times per minute. That information goes to the cloud. So you have algorithms to digest and, and tell you what to do with that information, actionable insights. Yeah. And towards what? Health. Towards what? Auto, you know, uh, automation. So if you know an animal will be sorted, you know, with that information, you can sort the animals combining the electronic identification tag with the number with also the sensor uh, telling what's going on with that animal at that moment. So you can identify a sick animal. If the animal is passing by a gate, the gate will open, the animal will be sorted automatically. So it's it's a beautiful thing, you know, and we need to talk more about that because many people don't know those the technologies available today. Now, I, and again, I think I, I go back maybe several decades when I, I helped set up a bull station one time and, and I had to learn how to uh, somehow put the little radio frequency things on so that they could only go into a certain spot to get their feed so you could keep track of, of feed efficiency. Exactly. Exactly. And, um, and, and now they're doing it. I know what there's concerns about some of the, um, for sows, for pregnant sows, and they want to be able to let them get in when they want to, rather than be in a group setting. And this technology is letting them into a private area. So when they don't want to get roughed up by the other girls, they can um, they can get into a stall where they've got their own ration, which is different than others. It's it's so fascinating. The thing I see when you're talking about here, Donnell, you're on the cusp of, uh, of, of being much more predictive. Um, to be able to see inside of what's going on with the animal, which that's exciting in and of itself. But then if, if it also leads you to doing something that's either their feed or medication or their treatment or something else, because you're, you're really giving them exactly what they need and you're anticipating, aren't you? what they're going to need. You, you will you will anticipate because you control the information. So you have the identification. Let's just remember, let's identify the animals first. Identification, then you go for active monitoring. So you put a 24-7 monitoring device on that animal, dairy cows, beef cows, animals in feedlot. And what happens next is you're going to get those information towards uh, you know the, the cloud. And then we're going to know and, and inform the farmer about what he should do next in terms of breeding uh, schedule in terms of medication. And that's the beautiful of what we call pre uh, pre uh, precision uh, medicine, veterinary medicine. So you can say, okay, I don't need to guess 
if that animal is sick anymore. Because it's hard, right? Sometimes when you don't know, you're going to go, should I medicate that animal or not? It requires a decision-making process. So when you have multiple animals, thousands of animals, it's very hard to do. As a veterinarian, it's very hard to do. But with this technology, then you can do. And then you can say, okay, I'll treat that animal. Because actually, the sensor is telling me to take a look, and now I see the animal is really sick. What we are going to do is to empower people to make better decisions, not to replace people. Help people to do their jobs in a better way, not to send them home so you don't have a job here anymore. This is, is, is the opposite. Yeah. We need to make people... Farming is not easy, but we love what we do. So how can we make farming better? How can we help people to have more pleasure working with livestock? You know, one thing this reminds me of, Paulo, is that uh, the technology that exists in, in crops right now, uh, which more and more they're getting into, well, what does this specific plant need? You know, rather than treating a field, um, they're trying to use satellites and everything else and sensors in the soil and, and other to be able to get down to like in a, in a thousand acres or something like that, get down to a small section of it and treat it. And so it's, it's, it feels like kind of a similar evolution of technology of, of getting it more and more and more precise. But again, in, in your case, you're kind of getting in their heads too. You're getting in their, in, in their systems and projecting where it's going. We learn, we are learning so much uh, in the last years than we learned in the last 50 years. Uh, as as veterinarians, as as people from from science, and it's fascinating. You, you, it all started with dairy industry. If you think about the dairy industry, which is very competitive, so our products started with the dairy industry, and is growing to the beef industry, swine industry, and of course in poultry because you have, you can monitor barns right with thirty thousand birds inside to know what's going on in every single square meter of that barn. But, and then you, people might listen to us thinking, okay, so what's in it for me, right? If you're a consumer, you can also help, help them, help the farmers to tell their stories, right? Through, through what, what we did with those and before the animals get to the, to the harvest site and then what kind of food they're getting in, at the table because people want to know more about that. So we also can go there. We also can help them with that. With that. Well, yeah, I think that's exactly where we want to end up. And but let me back up again. So sure. what do you um, what do you put in the animal? Do you put something, a, a tag in their ear or is there an injection under the skin or something? Is oh, there, how do you get course. how do you get this uh, this identification onto the animal? It depends on the species. In cattle, uh, we are tagging animals for 60 years, right? So since, you know, 50, 60 years ago, we start tagging animals with plastic, right? Plastic tags. Sure. And we made those tags smart now. So we can we can put electronic identification in the tag, low-frequency identification. So you can precisely know which animal is passing by and have all the information linked to that particular tag. So it's a year tag. It's just a year tag. And when you go for what we call active monitoring, which is Sense Hub, then it's also a tag. So you have a tag in the right ear, let's say, with the, with the number of that animal. Maybe it's official number that required by the government. Certain countries, you, you do that. And then on the left ear, you can have the electronic tag, which is a very small, very small device that stays there. Battery lasts for five years. So if you have a cow-calf operation, it's going to be with your cows for five years. If it's a feedlot, it's going to be shorter time, right? We don't keep animals more than 200 days in feedlot on average. So it's a basically a year tag. When you go for swine, it's going to be a very small tag in a year. Different than the livestock tag, right? Because, you know, the year of the, the, the hogs is quite different. The swine is quite yeah, different, yeah. the way it grows. And then chickens, we're going to monitor the entire barn. So you don't, you're not going to go 
tagging chicken. You're going to monitor the barn. So then you know if the barn needs attention, which corner of the of the barn, or, or you get to you get to go instead. You know, randomly guessing what's going on inside. So it's predictions. Basic is basically on prediction. But then when it comes to to DNA traceback, another technology that we have. Then you can do for swine, poultry. You can do for for aquaculture, and you can do, of course, for for cattle. You had people waiting to hear where you were going to explain where the chicken's ear is. Uh, uh, <laughs> Great. I'm not going to do that. Uh, no, no. It's, they're, they're tiny little things, apparently. I've never spotted one, so I'm not sure if we're going to tag them or give them earrings, either one. The, you know, so you've got this, this identification, and it can, it can build so much data into these things. I would imagine it is like our iPhones or anything else that you – that that originally you were you know back when these things were starting, you were having um, the history like you know who their mother was and when they were born you know stuff like that. Uh, but but now I would imagine that these uh, that the data that uh, that you're able to handle could just you could just load these things up with all sorts of information. I would I would suspect. Yeah, we have a, a massive amount of information that's come to us every hour, uh, all across the, the globe, multiple species. And we, we handle that information with a lot of care, right? So it has to be secure in our clouds, uh, cloud system. And, and that information generates what we call insights, right? So you have algorithms that are going to be a uh, uh, combination of, of multiple sources of data. And then you have insights because the point is information without you know insights is kind of useless. How can you handle all the, all that information sure. in a daily basis? So what we're trying to do, and we're getting better at that every single day, is to tell the farmers, hey, or or the veterinarians, guys, this is what this is what you have to do. This is where you should focus your attention. So that's the power of the information, the insights that we can cre- generate from that. So. Uh- yeah, that just conjures up all sorts of images to me. I mean, see, there comes a point where you could get enough of the livestock that's into a system like this. You could, you could. It's almost like you're saying, you know what? There's uh, flus going around in Sacramento, you know, versus, uh, you know, in New Jersey or something. You know, with humans. I mean, that, that to be able, you, it would seem like you could even apply that to seeing diseases showing up regionally or or something from the data that you've got. Yes. I'll give an example to you. We have a, another product. The name is Whisper on arrival. So Whisper. The stethoscope. But it's a very different stethoscope. Uh, it has six heads into one paddle. So you so the animals arrive in the feedlot. And you don't know, right? They travel maybe 12 hours, maybe 16 hours, maybe more. And you have all those young animals arriving and you need to decide what to do with them. So what we do is risk assessment as veterinarians. Okay, this animal based on the history, it came from a, from a sales barn or instead coming from a single farm. So I will maybe require to, to do metaphylaxy on those animals just to prevent disease because they look like they are in, in, in at risk of bovine respiratory disease. With the whisper on arrival, you can whisper the animals. You put you put a stethoscope on, on the right side of the animal, so then you capture the sound. It's kind of a 30-second thing. It's highly precise, and, you, and, and you're going to get indication if the lungs are healthy or not. If it's mm-hmm. not healthy, you as a veterinarian know, then you can prescribe yeah. a, a medicine to that animal. And that information goes to the cloud. So you can see that if you have, let's say, uh, like you say, some kind of 
problem in the region, you can actually see that. Mm -hmm. So that information is precious. And we are starting to roll out this technology to help veterinarians to make better decisions at, uh, at arrival when they're receiving animals. I mean, this, this is just, uh, it, it's fascinating. Now, one thing I want to ask before kind of transition on, can this scale up and scale down? I mean, can, how reachable is this technology if you, in fact, have, um, you know, a hundred head instead of, you know, 10,000 head of cattle or something, or, or um, is, is this a, a approachable technology for smaller scale or local organic and so forth, other than just the, the, a large feedlot, for example? Yes. So identification is easy to get access, uh, very uh, cost-effective, affordable to any farmer across the globe. So this is a technology that everybody uses and needs to use more. No, I'm wrong. It's not everybody using, but there's a huge acceptance sure. already. So sure. we need to improve that, you know, improving um how we communicate the benefits of identifying animals. The second one, which is the active monitoring sense hub, I think is a technology that we see across Europe in dairy farms, also in Asia, and even North America, uh, a lot of farms making use of that technology. It doesn't matter the size of the farm because it helps in many levels. The last one that, that I just explained, which is the whisper on arrival, when you go for, let's say a hundred uh, cow calf range, I would say that the veterinarian that is taking care of that region, he or she should be the one to have the whisper on arrival. So that person can go to the farm from time to time, whisper the animals, get that information, and maybe make decisions based on that. For, for, the, for the small farmer, uh, because it, it, it makes sense to have the technology because it's not, it's not so expensive, it's per use. But you're not going to use the technology every day. So the, the whisper is going to be sitting there in the barn for a long time. So only when you're processing animals that you're going to need that information. So the whisper on arrival, I would say, is more for large operations or for veterinarians or medium-sized operations. But I see a future where we're going to make that technology um, more powerful than it is today with more algorithms. So then I, I can come back to you and say, yeah, I think now a 100-head farm will need that technology as well. You know what? There was some great branding there, the the whisper. Because I was I remember, you know, the movie about the horse whisperer and everything. And and there's all kinds of whisperers available right now. That you have a technology that's whisperer. I think is is genius. Um, because it's based it's on sound, right? It's based on lung sound. That way you yeah. Mean whisper. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's just kind of that you're taking intuition to a whole, uh, whole different level beyond that, and actually having something that this applying this technology. Now, I want to kind of skip ahead because you were saying uh, we know consumers want to know more about how their food has been produced. But all the technologies that you're talking about up to now doesn't necessarily stay with the meat. So if a if you go to a processing plant and then uh, meat ends up being consumed at a at a restaurant in New York and and maybe a grocery store in New Jersey and so forth, is there any way to have information kind of? you know, transition and, and be available to people on down the line about uh, the, the breed, the, uh, you know, all, all of those kinds of information that people care about. How does that stay with the product after it's processed? 
No, great question. And we are so proud to have a DNA trace technology uh, that can do that. And we are doing this globally already. So imagine that the nature's barcode is the DNA, right? So every single animal have a unique DNA. So everything we just discussed here uh, in the show so far is about getting information about the animals, about what we do. So so if you have a program of, for animal well-being, if you have a natural program where you don't use certain products, if you have a sustainability program at your farm, so you want to you say, yeah, I'm doing the right thing, how can you prove you're doing the right thing? How can you make the consumer see that when they're buying you know, a, a piece of meat? So that's the, the DNA traceback will help us to get there because when the animals get to the packing plant and they, they go to the harvest process, we take a sample of every single carcass. We process that, that DNA. And when the animal is, is, is transformed into meat cuts, uh, we have the proof that, that that particular cut came from this animal. Let's say animal with seven-digit number. Mm -hmm. And all the information related to that animal is connected to that barcode. So then you can prove what you're saying. So we have programs in the U.S. using this kind of technology today. And, and that's a big advantage because you as a consumer, you can, uh, I'm sorry, you as a producer, you can invest on things that will differentiate your production system on a farm level. You can be part of a system, right? You can be audit. And then you can send that information direct to your consumers with the DNA traceback. So it's a, it's a simple and, and, and G, let's say secure way to, to tell consumers that, yes, you can trust on what's in the label because, yes, we can prove that. It's interesting because this is happening at a time that there's new regulations coming out about um, revealing whether bioengineering was used in various food products. And so um, the USDA is announcing some systems where people can go online and they can check out the foods they're buying and whether or not genetic engineering, if that concerned them, they, they learn about that. But the other thing that I think people are concerned about, I'm personally not concerned about, but some are uh, antibiotic free, for example. And, and uh, as a veterinarian, I can't, um, I'm sure you've crossed that path before that sometimes animals need antibiotics. Uh, but knowing about it is apparently important to some people. They want to understand that fact. So I would, uh, I would assume that that's, that's the sort of thing too, that's very obvious. Um, Indeed. So let's talk about that a little bit. If there's one thing that us veterinarians have to do is to treat animals when they are sick. That's, that's not, we cannot discuss. That's your job. So is, is it my job? And we are very proud to do that. The thing is, can we prevent that from happening? Yes, we can use vaccines and we can, we can have better husbandry. We can do a lot of stuff using technology to tell when the animals are changing before they get, get in sick and we can act, we can help them. But unfortunately, sometimes they will get sick and then we're going to treat those animals in a natural program. The, if the animal uh, unfortunately received a, a shot of, a, of antibiotic because he was sick, was sick, the animal is going to be removed from that program. But then it's going to, we're going to have the withdrawal period. The animal is going to recover, and then maybe sixty days later, or seventy days later, or six months later, the animal will reach the packing plant with zero, zero residue because the animal was was treated and the withdrawal was respected. So technology also going to help us to, to make sure that we are doing this correctly without any mistake. So if you as a consumer, once you buy a, a meat from an animal that never had contact with antimicrobial in its entire life, DNA traceback can prove that to you. Yeah. So 
is the power of technology helping us to tell the story about that animal. Is there any technology that's going to be useful in seeing how, say, for example, the cattle industry is doing in reducing uh, methane uh, gas because of the, uh, the amount of belching that cows do? Can you like make belching go away or something? <laughs> because uh, because the whole methane area and the climate uh, the climate uh, change kind of conversations get lumped into cattle generally or criticized. Uh, is is there any any way that these technologies are going to be useful in tracking what's happening in that regard? One hundred percent. There's so many many things we can do in that area. We are exploring a lot of um, a lot of data now to to prove that. Mm-hmm. Maybe I can bring that data later to you about every single one of the products we have in technology that can help us to measure and to make animals get better. But guess what? The one thing we already know is crystal clear: is healthier animals. Uh, will live, you know, a better life. They will be more effective convert, converting, you know, food into, into feed into into beef or into meat, and and they have a less uh, uh, a smaller carbon footprint against an animal that's not so productive. So when you use the right vaccine, when you take care of your animals properly, when they reach, you know, their full potential, genetic potential, without getting sick, you are already saving a lot in terms of carbon footprint. So think about the American industry, the cow-calf industry, that I'm very proud of, uh, of being part of this, this industry. Um, fertility rates are sky high, you know, um, weaning rates are high. Why? Because we take care of every single of those cows. Right. Yeah, we cannot afford to lose one. But guess what? Many, many countries in the world, the fertility rates below 50%. The weaning rates below 60%. So... What's happening? We have cows walking around without calving every year. That's wrong, right? So we need to tackle big problems. We need to look globally, not only what's happening in our, our, our garden, let's say, or our backyard. It's beyond that. So I believe with the power of technology, we're going to be able to see the whole thing and make things more productive. But first of all, let's make animals healthier. Let's avoid them to get from getting sick. You know, just yesterday, I was on a call with a, a, an author, actually was the author of Ministry of the Future, and he was given some advice at the end of his, of his talk uh, about what people could do. And the first thing he said is, like, stay away from things from cattle, you know, and he was negative on dairy and, and, and on beef. And, and it, always when I hear that, uh, I wish that they could have a conversation with you because if you started talking about well, uh, methane per pound or per gallon or production, I mean, you have sick animals around the world. You have animals that aren't productive. And so the amount of methane they do produce is going to be, uh, you know, totally going to methane. You're not getting much out of it. And switching that conversation, I wonder if that's something that that um, that Merck and your helpers in your marketing department can jump in there and help us get more out there for people to understand what you just said about how different it is between healthy animals and, and those that are being more productive because you're using this technologies and, and those that aren't. I, you know, I don't, I, I can't understand the person when, when they go, I don't like this, I don't like that, because sometimes lack of, of familiarity with the situation right you just have a preconcept concept concept in your in your mind you know you you think something's like that well instead of debating with them i really like to share right sharing is better than debating so you have an opinion i have my opinion let's just talk mark have um mark has a lot of colleagues uh, working specifically on that 
And we do that every single day. Our reps in the field, our veterinarians, myself, my, my marketing team, the communications team, we're not trying to convince anyone. We're just trying to share with them what we're doing. I think the better way to go about agriculture today is avoid fighting. You know, honestly, uh, every time I see somebody saying, hey, I don't eat meat, what do you think about it? I say, I respect it. I, I can understand it. So sure. do you understand what is behind the meat production, the families working on the field, how many people are depending on that, the jobs that we generate, how good is it for the environment? You know, they go, really? Yeah, really. We need them. And by the way, we domesticated those animals. They're here for us. Just think about it. You cannot tell those cows, hey, go find food elsewhere. You need to take care of them. So people sometimes, they just don't don't relate. You know, they don't. They, they, they shut down the listening mode. And then the best way to get them uh, back at us, you know, connecting with us is just, just sharing what we're doing. Boy, I tell you, it's so exciting, the area that you're working in. And let me ask you one other one that's kind of out there again, and that is, um, I think of the other frontier is, um, is, is really the microbiome. And, and when you get into the gut, not just of what we're producing with the belching and, and the methane and so forth, but the, the health the health of a gut. Is there anything uh, on the horizon that helps you I identify whether or not the microbial life in, the, in in these animals is what it needs to be for optimum performance and health? Uh, great question. Uh, I have news for you. Good news. We have the best rumination, uh, uh, let's say, device for to, to monitor rumination in the world, which is SenseHub. So SenseHub, you you have a way to 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 say how many minutes per day a certain cow is ruminating. So imagine if you have a farm and you feed the animals properly and you have maybe 100%, uh, 100 cows ruminating 600 minutes per day or 500 minutes. And then you have a certain cow that is ruminating 255 minutes. Something's wrong, right? Because rumination is the first thing that changes when the animal, when the ruminants is getting sick. So you can go direct to that animal. And also you help nutritionists to formulate diets the way they see fit. And they can see the diet affecting rumination in real time. So while we are not a, a nutritional company, we, we acknowledge that we can help the industry to be better and to understand better what rumination is with our devices. Well, and you know, now to, to bring this to a close, literally, uh, the one final step in this whole process is that uh, when all that passes through the cattle and uh, actually the manure produced, um, apparently there's lots of difference in, in manure. So if you've got a healthy micro, microbial life and you're starting increasingly to put that, put that manure back into soils again, because biodynamics and others are really recognizing the role that the animal uh, manure plays. And, um, and apparently there's, uh, manure from healthy animals that was healthy in their gut is also healthy in the soil. And if it did a good job of breaking down fibers and, and digesting inside the animal, it does the same thing when it's on corn stalks. <laughs> and so that's, that's going to be the topic for another conversation. I, I, I indeed, indeed, indeed. <laughs> There's just so much to do and so much to learn here. And, and it's exciting that you're on, on this path. Um, what haven't we brought out? I mean, I've tried to get you to share with me as much as you can, and you've been very forthcoming on the, on what you're into right now, what you're moving into, what the future is. Let me, let me ask you, is there anything else you'd like to wrap up or your comments of what excites you about what you see coming next? 
Well, I, I have the privilege to be uh, in this industry since I know myself as a human being. I'm a vet for 25 years. I, I work for a company that I love with so many brilliant people in, in, in the industry that always welcome technology, innovation, forward thinking. So it's, it's, a, it's a great place to be, you know. So I, what I like to say is, let's just talk more. I ask, you know, the people that are listening to us to, if you want to know more about any technology that I just mentioned here, contact any Merck representative, uh, call us, you know, reach out to us, and we're going to be more than happy to engage and, and learn from you. Because the, 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 the beautiful thing about, the, about what we do is we're always learning. Every time you go to a farm, every time you, you introduce technology to a new farmer, after a few weeks, you're going to learn something from, sure. that, from that operation as well. So it's, it's, a, it's a joy to be here. And I thank you very much for what you do for our industry, helping us to get our message across and, and also, um, adapt, you know, the support, you know, supporting each other is great what you do. Thank you. Well, thank you. Thank you. We have, we have people that listen around the world that listen to these podcasts, fortunately, and they include some consumers that are really caring and want to understand about some of these new technologies, people that just follow what's going on in the food industry, people that are large scale, small scale, all sides. And so you're bringing a subject up today that we haven't covered enough. And and I I really appreciate the way you've explained it, and you've got the wheels turning in my head too. That there's I just see so many ways that this can be applied, and I want to thank Paulo Loriera um, with Merck for being on Farm to Table Talk this morning. It was thank a pleasure. you. Thank you very much. You've been listening to Farm to Table Talk with your host, Roger Wasson. If you like what you hear, go to farmtotabletalk.com and follow us. Farm to Table Talk.